Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Ziana McIntyre. She is the co-author of 30 Day Stay, a book that was published by Bigger Pockets. And what I love about this episode, we go all in on midterm rentals. We talk a lot about where to find them, how to find them, who to rent to. Uh, she gives some great data and statistics and information about how nurses are not going anywhere and the need will only increase. So we cover so much on today's episode, right, Andressa? Yeah, I think that what I really liked about it is like working backwards, right? How can you really focus on, you know, when you think about like the best use of the property, what is the best strategy that you're going to look for? Is it nurses? Is it the contracts with insurance companies? This is an episode full of specific actions that you can take so you can get the highest potential rent. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And you are back with us for another amazing episode to have Ziana McIntyre on our show. Excited to have you on. We're going to be talking all things midterm rentals and your amazing Bigger Pockets book. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our community. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is just really fun. I love you both. So it's just like, let's just play. Let's play today. Yeah, we're going to have a good time, get into midterm rentals, get into all the nitty gritty like we always do. So thank, thanks for being here. Andressa, as we always do, right? We get like to get connected to all of you amazing women and men who listen to our show and who tune in each week. We want to share something that's a tip, a strategy, a, an idea, 
So you can bring it literally into your day right now after you listen to this this podcast episode. That's what we stand for. Mm-hmm. We like to get to it quickly, but we like to go deep. So we we experienced recently, we had a, an event, Strive Hire, which is for our Strive members. And we did a, a weekend workshop, masterminding, bus tour. It was a very full couple of days. And what ends up coming up for people is, you know how you you hear the same information? You could have 40 people in a room, but everyone hears something different. And so we were going through an exercise and one of our, one of our members shared a little bit, she started crying. And then we're like, okay, something's coming up for her, obviously. And, you know, we like to go deep and we like to not just, you know, talk about real estate strategies the whole time. We want to go deep with people. And she shared a little bit with us. And then we had her get in front of the group. And bottom line was that what was coming up for her as she's growing her investing business was that she was having a hard time asking for help. She was having a hard time reaching out to myself or Andressa. Meanwhile, we're her mentors, but she felt bad, right? And I think so many times women feel bad asking for what they need asking for help. And we think we're inconveniencing people. And we just need to stop doing that. We really, really need to stop doing that because it's not serving anyone. It's not serving the person, the recipient. It's actually not serving the person. So we kind of gave her a little homework assignment like we always do and said, hey, for action to take, make a game of it. Look for opportunities to ask for help because I believe it's a muscle that we need to use. It's like going to the gym. And if you're not good at asking for help, literally after this podcast, you've been holding, I, I know you've been holding off. You're listening. You've been holding off on asking for help by, for someone. Maybe it's advice. Maybe it's a, a you know, a, you know, a broker you want to do some business with, whomever. But don't today. Reach out to them. And give you, and I'd love. We'd love to hear if you actually do that. The charge here. So that's what I have for you this week. It is you're not inconveniencing people. You're actually doing a disservice because they want to help you. They want to pour into you. If you're the kind of person who doesn't want to inconvenience other people, you're probably an amazing person, and you just want to, you know, speak your truth and get what you need. Right, Andressa. Yeah, I think that it's hard to, it's hard, quote unquote, hard, right? Challenging to ask for help when it's something new that you're navigating. So as Liz said, this is a muscle. So I will challenge you to start asking for help for things that you know what, how to do it. You are capable of. But even though those are very simple tasks, ask for help for somebody else to take it out of your plate or different ways that you can really buy yourself time. That's the bottom line here. We just don't want to become successful. We want to become successful and have the time to enjoy that success. This is not a matter of buying houses. This is a matter of buying time for ourselves. I don't have time to waste. And I'm I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. You also do not have time to waste. So let's jump in. So Ziana, we always like to ask the question, what has been the lesson or the toughest lesson that's taken you the longest to learn in your investing journey thus far? Mm. Ooh, you guys start with a stumper. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on your toes. I love it. It's the go deep. It's the go deep. I appreciate that. Actually, like at your conference, because I was at the investor conference this year, my favorite part was just how deep and heartfelt it all felt because I've gone to a lot of real estate conferences and they just don't feel that way. So I really appreciate that. And you guys did the best. You were my favorite conference all year. So thank you. I struggle with asking for help. So I think that's a really good theme. I've learned in this last year that I prefer to grow with other people. I find it to just be more fun. And this, I've learned that real estate is really just a connected business. Like it's really who you know, and we're all excited to help other people and pull them up. And so just doing things in partnership, like I co-authored the book with Sarah. 
I do a podcast as well with somebody else. You know, I am doing lots of things with other people and buying homes with other people. And yes, you get only half, you get less, right? But I would rather have 50% of something than 0% of nothing, right? Or, you know, if you don't get to do it because you don't have the time, then you're not getting out there and getting into a business. And so just partnerships, I think, are really important. I love that. And I think that when we're thinking about like, oh, I own 100%, but you are also investing 100% of your time. And I don't think when people get into partnerships, they think about the investment of time that they need to put in. So for those of you that just heard what Ziora is doing in her business, I encourage you guys to start thinking about that as you're guys evaluating different types of projects have a line item for time, how much time you're going to be spending there. Because you might look at projects and partnerships very different than just the real estate numbers. I couldn't agree more with you, Ziona, that this is all about partnerships and connections and leveraging each other's experience. We're going to be talking about a very hot topic, midterm rental, right? And I think that it's becoming hotter and hotter based on what I'm seeing it. One reason for it is also the changes of laws or potential changes of laws. I want to start by by talking about this specific subject because I think that before somebody look into investing short-term rental and then, you know, mid-term rental, like understanding the local laws and where the market is going is one of the most important things that they need to look at. Can we break that down? Yeah. So short-term rentals, I've been doing Airbnb or furnished rentals since 2012. And when I started, I was fortunate enough that there were just no regulations because people didn't even know what it was. But as it got more popular about 2017, 2018, 2019, regulations started to really just go like everywhere. There's just so many places that are not short-term rental friendly. And that's one of the things that's so great about the medium-term or mid-term rental is that it's 30 days plus. So it's seen as a long term in the eyes of, you know, people that are doing the regulations, that are collecting taxes, that even do the rental licenses. So it is a lot easier. Um, I think that if you are still trying to do short term rentals, there are places to do it, but the markets have shifted a lot. And with a pending recession, I would make sure that you have a backup plan. So the problem with short term rentals is that often people buy them in vacation rental markets where it's really just that people go there to vacation, but not a lot of people live there, right? So there's people that, you know, work in the restaurants or they're cleaning ladies, but they're not actually going to pay $4,000 a month to live in your house, right? So you don't have a backup plan as a long-term rental in those markets. So I'd say, be careful. What I'm liking for short-term rentals for people that want to still do that strategy is being adjacent to an urban market. So for example, I live in Colorado. Denver doesn't allow short-term rentals unless it's your primary residence. But right outside of Denver, there's some really cool areas that are still allowing it because they're outside of city limits or they're unincorporated county areas. And so you can still be urban adjacent. And then you have a great backup plan of medium to rental, rent by the room. There's lots of other things you can do if it doesn't work or if they change the laws on you. I want to talk about the areas and I, when people think about like regulations, right? I'd rather have something in place 
so we can look at it and make a decision. What would you say for yeah. those investors that are looking at places that still don't have a clear regulation? Yeah, that's a great I agree area. with you. It is a little scary. So there are a couple areas around Denver where they have made the regulations, but the regulations are a little more open, right? They'll allow you to have one short-term rental or, you know, they just have certain parameters. You can do it a certain amount of time a year. But then there are other ones where it's just been kind of wild west and nobody has put in regulation yet. But as they're talking about doing it now, they're saying, okay, maybe we'll just make it owner occupied, which would mess up a lot of people's investing strategy, especially if they have multiple units. So yeah, it is a little bit hairy there. I think it's always good to have a plan B. And I lean towards the markets that have regulations in place so I know how to play within the rules. So let's start at the beginning. And I, I know enough to make me dangerous when it comes to midterm rentals, just be, but I don't own any. Dangerous. Right? Dangerous. <laughs> but I, I really, you know, selfishly want to ask questions so I can take notes and, you know, go buy myself a midterm rental. Now, but I really want to break it down in terms of, okay, let's begin at the beginning, right? So say I am, you know, Susie the investor and I want to start, you know, buy, I want to buy a property that caters to this particular niche. So minimum, thir- is it minimum 30 days up to what amount of days? Let's talk like, what are the, what is the quote unquote definition, if you will? Yeah. I mean, I'd say there's no maximum. The difference between a long-term and a medium-term or mid-term is that it's furnished, really, and that it's month-to-month. So you've got like more of a flexible lease term there. Got it. The standard is 90 days, and that's because travel nurses get a 13-week contract, and we have a lot of travel nurses, but they are definitely not our only tenants. Okay. So say, okay, that's really helpful. So say then I'm like really committed Am I going to go down like the natural strategy that I would if I was looking at multifamily, which is probably more, more, more my sweet spot? I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at market first, right? I don't want to just find a property in a random market. I want to look at the market. So is it the same, literally the same type of strategy saying, you know what? Some markets are more, I would imagine if it's traveling nurses, they have to be close to hospitals. I mean, obviously that seems like a, a likely path, but walk me through like, you know, I'm Susie, the investor. I've dabbled in different areas, but now I really want to go, I want to go all in within a month buy my first property that caters to this particular strategy. What are my first few steps? What would you recommend in terms of what do I want to look at first? Market analysis, like what are your suggestions there? So just like you said, for a long-term rental, I would look at a few different key areas. It's like population growth, job growth, what's the average salary, you know, what's the average home price, things like that tell you, okay, is this market trending towards something or is it just drying up, right? So that's a good first indicator. The second thing is hospitals, like you said. Again, they're not our only tenants, but they can be really great, qualified, steady, employed tenants, right? So I like to have two hospitals within five miles. And that's because it's about 20 minutes drive and people don't usually want to commute more than that. And then if you want to get real nitty gritty with the hospitals, this is all something you can search online, is that hospitals have different trauma levels. And it just means that this hospital can do, you know, ER, emergency, Grey's Anatomy stuff, and then other hospitals will just do smaller things, right? So the trauma level one and two hospitals, they have more traveling nurses because they have a closer ratio to nurse versus patient. So it's usually like a one-to-one. Sometimes they'll have like one nurse for two patients, but that gives you an idea of how many nurses are going to be in the building. The other thing you can search is number of beds. So literally, you can say, you know, ABC Hospital, 
number of beds and it will pop up, trauma level and it will pop up. And so number of beds, I like over 300. And it just is just saying, okay, we're having a good amount of travel nurses that will be coming into this area because some hospitals will be maybe 40% travel nurses, something like that. And so you definitely want to have a big enough hospital for it to make sense. And I guess the last thing I'll say is there are markets that have hospital complexes. So Denver is one of them where we have like a cluster. You know, we've got like the VA hospital, this Rose Medical Center and St. Jude's. Like we've got like a bunch in one area. And if you can be by a cluster, that's solid gold. So St. Louis has that. I think Cleveland has that. There's a lot of places that have just a big cluster. And I guess the last thing I'll say is that I love third tier cities. So, you know, of course, you could probably make this work in New York and L.A. and Miami, but they're so expensive. So what I love is that if you get to one of these kind of tertiary markets where it's yep. like a Kansas City or an Omaha, Nebraska, it's like those ones are still going to get you so much cash flow because the price points are low. I love this so much because many times I think that what you're saying makes total sense to my dear brain. Because that's exactly where I would start. Looking mm. at those hospitals, looking at those clusters. Not me. Let yeah. me back it up, people. A VA will do that <laughs> job. To looking at the markets that I'm looking to invest and find those locations. And then start mapping out. It's kind of like going yeah. backwards, right? But you are looking for the source first. If I'm going to be in that, this can really like, this is a pond that can feed you for, for ever. infinite, forever, forever. So when you're thinking about nurses, right? I know there's guests slash clients slash customers that you guys can focus on, but let's focus on, on, on nurses itself. I've worked with nurses before. And one of the things that they liked about my unit is that the other units, people left for work. And they had to sleep during the day. So it was very quiet for them mm -hmm. to do. Is there any quote unquote customization or something that you do to serve the nurses that come to your Airbnb, you would say? So we use blackout curtains for sure, because like you're saying, a lot of people are night workers, right? So they'll have to sleep during the day. Some people do sound machines as well because that helps them. But yeah, I don't really have anything particular in that sense. What I really focus on is comfort and style. And so a lot of nurses are women and they want to feel safe and they want to feel comfortable and they love a cute place, right? And so like rather than being really minimalist, like all of my beds and all of my couches have throws, you know, they have really nice blankets. Everything's got lots of pillows. It just is really appealing. And I think the inventory that is out there now is a lot of like granny basements. And so people are tired of staying in these ugly units and they'll wait and they'll pay more to stay in the nicer one. Makes a lot of sense. So in terms of, I love, and I love the conversation for the tertiary markets, I think it's the same for multifamily, right? It, because it is, you know, you have to, you have to hedge between what the property costs and what the rent increases are. And that's why we invest in, in those kind of tertiary markets that are more up and coming that have an established market, but also are not on the hottest market list because you're going to pay for that. So I love that as a common strategy. In terms of types of properties, square footage, single family homes, is it better to have a twin? You know, is there one 
strategy you like to go after, one type of property that works for this particular niche? Or is that, you know, again, duplex or single family and they both have different, you know, levels of clientele that would want that? I'm curious if the midterm rental yields a certain type of property. I'm not sure of that. So I was curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So my experience has mostly been in the one and two bedrooms. And I like those because it feels like the tenant pool is going to be larger. There's a lot of people traveling by themselves or with a partner that's maybe like working as a digital nomad. They might be traveling with one child or maybe two nurses come together. That you see is pretty common. Mm -hmm. So I like these smaller units because I think it's easier. What I've learned lately is that it depends how you're going after your clients. If you're just going on Furnish Finder, which is a website that's primarily medical professionals, or Airbnb, these smaller units are just easy to fill. If you're going for contracts direct from the hospitals for like the doctors, so maybe like the more expensive contracts, people that are doing insurance contracts, government placement contracts, those are more families and they pay a lot more. So they actually want three bedroom, two bath, single Mm. family home. So it's kind of great because you can make any size work for you. It just depends on how are you going to go after those clients. Oh my goodness. This is so good. <laughs> like the cushions are pouring in my head. So I want to dive in into the insurance part, right? I had two, two experience, two or three, I don't remember, two or two or three experiences with insurance companies. And they found me. I didn't find them. But basically, I think one was, two was like, they burned the house or a plumbing issue. Don't remember what it was. But basically, they need a place for a family to stay. And they ended up extending it because, of course, contractors. I was like, they're like, yeah, yeah. they're going to be done in a month. I was like, they won't. But I just, you're like, I'm going to keep the calendar blocked. <laughs> exactly. Right. So then they're like, oh, they had to extend. I was like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> it was not going to work. Right. But um, it was great. Because the family was not, did not get, you know, the burden of paying for it. The insurance company was just paying everything up front. I think that my challenge was, okay, how can we have more of those? Where can we match? Where there is a place for all the insurance company to come and where the investors could come in a place such as Airbnb that we can, you know, find each other and, and, yeah. and make that. And I don't know if that exists right now or if it doesn't exist, we should think about it. Yeah, somebody needs to make it. So <laughs> our spare time from me nine to six, we should develop that. But share share with us your experience with them, with the insurance companies. Yeah, so I think there's really two ways to go after tenants. Like I was saying, is like you can just be like a little bit lazier and list on Airbnb, list on Furnish Finder, People will come to you and you'll make enough. It's great. You know, you still make one and a half times market rate, I think, as a general rule. But if you want to really maximize fewer units, you can make two times market rate. You can make three times market rate if you're going after the contracts. But it takes more legwork. And so not everybody wants to do that. So the way that looks is cold calling insurance companies and getting on their list and building out the relationships. It looks like calling HR departments of hospitals and figuring out who are the recruiters, who are the agencies they're using and making their lives easier by being that house placement person. So you can build out all these relationships and then end up with, you know, 70% of your bookings coming through really high paying contracts, but it does take legwork up front. 
Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. I think it, this is an investment of time. And once that is in place, it is just smaller turnarounds and yeah. much qual- quote-unquote quality customers there. I think not a lot of people are taking advantage uh, of it or putting the time to to look into it. But I think that is an untapped potential. Mm-hmm. In terms of analysis of these of midterm rentals, right? Let's talk about that a little bit. And yeah. is there is there a particular, like you said, there's no backups. People don't often have like backup plans. Do they do analysis for a mix? You know, if they do say, okay, I'm going to buy this property and the best case scenario, the, you know, the good scenario, the, you know, or the worst case scenario, like what, especially in today's market, right? Everything yeah. happening. And, and I was presenting the other day and I said, you know, the name of the game right now is conservative, being conservative yeah. because you don't want to get in over your head, uh, especially with, you know, lenders. So what would be from an analysis perspective? How do you tackle that? You know, you find that property, you're in St. Louis, you know, you found that tertiary property that, you know, be great, a two bedroom condo, if you will. Perfect, close, has a cluster of hospitals, you know, checking off all the boxes for your criteria, if you will. Now what, in terms of analysis? How do you tend to approach your own analysis of properties and saying, how can we approach this and where do I go from here in terms of making sure this is a good deal? So first, I like to see what a short-term rental would do. And that's my high point, right? So I can look on AirDNA and they've got a rentalizer tool that's free. So you don't have to pay for their services. You can just get an idea of like, what would the property make in a year on average? And then I just divide that by 12 and go, okay, cool. This is what I'm shooting for. This is my high end. And that's what I would get if I'm working with contracts. 
Now, if I'm just going to go through Furnish Finder, it's a little bit of a discount. So what people don't realize is Furnish Finder is actually like where nurses go when they get paid the stipend to go find a deal. Mm -hmm. So that's like the discount place, right? And so if they were going to pay full price, they'd have their agency go get the contract. And they just, you know, they pay the difference for the convenience there. So I like to go on Furnish Finder and just see what other people are charging in my area. So you go on Furnish Finder, look up your city, and you can see as a guest a map and what everybody's charging. And so I can compare based on, you know, how nice are the pictures, how nice furniture and what's around me and in terms of similar size. And then I get an idea of what I think I could charge there. And so that's what I actually put in my spreadsheet is the furnish finder price. But I know that's maybe 20% less than my upside. I can probably do better than that. So that's me being conservative. And so that's kind of how I go from there. But like you're saying, it's great if you can find a market where you can legally short term sometime of the year, then midterm most of the time. And then at your worst case scenario, if you could still break even as a long term, but I have never had to go back to long-term. That's not happened to me. But I, I do like the idea of being in a place where it's not going to put you underwater. 100%. Uh, in terms of financing, it a lot of people, and I remember back in the day when I had calls with my lender, they're like, what are you talking about? It was not even like a yeah. concept of short-term rental. So what are the most recent changes that you have seen in terms of financing, how are you financing your deals nowadays when it comes down to short-term slash mid-term rental? Yeah. So, I mean, just as a long-term rental, that's kind of what I compare it to a little bit more is that when you're starting out, you can get somebody under a lease before you were even closing. So you can list your property with pictures that you have from just the listing photos. And you can say, you know, furniture coming by X date. You can get a tenant in that 30-day window or however long it takes you to close. And if you've got a signed lease, they can use 75% of that income. So they'll use it just like they would for a long-term rental, but the pricing is going to be better and it will help you qualify easier. Got it. And when you have, let's say, does it matter if you have a track record with other properties to, not, not that it will affect this specific loan, but when you are putting together your street cred as well, Let's correct me another day. She's like, it's not street credit. It's like cred. Credibility. <laughs> You're like, what's your street credit? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's called credibility. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I thought like, you don't, your, your credit. So your credit score, but your street credit. You know what I mean? All the immigrants know what I'm talking about. All right. So <laughs> Ziana, when you're talking to a lender, what do you present to the lender? Because I'm sure if the lender sees that you have other successful short-term rental, mid-term rentals, they, they're going to look at the deal quite different than somebody's like, yeah, this is my first time. I have nothing to show it to you. What do you usually share with the lender? I think lenders hate me. I have a very complicated file. That's <laughs> all of my money is through like lots of rentals. That's complicated. But basically, if you have filed taxes, all those rentals in that previous year, there's income to show for it. There might be losses, but if you've got income, they can go based off of that. If you haven't filed taxes yet on those other properties that you have, then you can't use the income on those. So basically that's how it is. And I don't know. I think 
they actually give you a harder time when you have a lot of mortgages. It sort of doesn't make sense, the lender world. Lately, I've been a lot more interested in creative financing um, because interest rates are so high. So there are a lot of ways to get into deals with like seller financing subject to, I don't know if your listeners are doing that stuff yet. Yeah, no, and that's so huge. I, you know, I want to go back to like the mistakes that people are making, you know, because, you know, when something is talked a lot about, right, they read you and Sarah's book and they get excited and they start getting into the game. What are the common pitfalls? What are the common mistakes that, you know, a rookie midterm rental investor, if you will, even if they're seasoned in other spaces can make and how do they avoid them? Yeah. So one of the mistakes I've made, which it didn't seem like a mistake at the time, but as things change, it it reveals itself, (laughs) is that I am really diversified. So I own in four states. And in some of those states, I own in like three different cities in that one state. And so that means that I don't have the ability to go deep in one market. So when I'm Mm. calling hospitals or having my assistant do that and building the relationships, we have to reinvent the wheel every time. You know, and so what I would say to somebody starting out now is really get clear about the market you want to be in and then stick with that because you want to go deep. You want to be able to say, cool, I have five properties in this market and I can get another one if you guys need it. Right. Like you're that placement person in this city. And so that is, I think the investing AD is what I call him is like, oh, this is a good deal. And this is a good deal. That's not going to work in the strategy as well as maybe some others. The second thing I'd say is furniture. I think people spend a lot of time trying to get the best deal. And so they run all around town picking up stuff on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. And actually, I think you just do better ordering everything new. And this is hard for me to say because I used to be like very eco-friendly. It's important to me to like reuse stuff. But time is money as well. And so the way we furnish now is we have everything show up to the house. We do like a huge building pack unpacking party for like three days and then you've got it done. So I would say don't draw out the furnishing process and don't waste your time running around getting cheap stuff because that cheap stuff is not going to hold over the test of time with all your tenants either. And I'm curious to to hear if you have any like horror stories, meaning the person was supposed to leave after three days or whatever the period was, and they didn't. And how can we mitigate that risk? I have not had anyone overstay. I think the cool thing about the medium term space is like people got somewhere else to go. So they've got a contract here and then they're going off to Cleveland. You know, they already got that booked before they leave. So they got an exit strategy. They got somewhere else to go or they're doing a renovation. They need to go back to their house. So it's rare that somebody's kind of like oversaying. So I don't really worry about that so much. But that is a question that comes up for people a lot. So, you know, we have leases in place for that purpose. But yeah, it hasn't happened to me. I'd say horror stories is really just like pets. Um, a lot of traveling nurses, I think just because it's lonely on the road, they'll have a dog or something. And it's great to accommodate that if you feel like you need to and can. But I've stopped really accommodating pets because these people are at work 12 hours a day, you know, those pets are alone and they just kind of eat stuff up or they just, you know, their hair's everywhere and it's harder to clean. So makes sense. In terms of insurance, Airbnb, quote unquote, has insurance, right? 
Do you yeah. rely on that? Do you have a different types of insurance in place? Yeah, the cool thing is you can just have a regular landlord policy, right? Because you're still seen as a long-term rental after 30 days, even if you're furnished. So we use that. And then I will either do a deposit if it's not on Airbnb. So if you come through Furnish Finder, I'm going to hold a deposit. And I've never had to keep someone's whole deposit, but sometimes just a little bit of it. And then Airbnb, I do rely on their air cover is what they call it. And it's a million dollar policy. And I found that to work. My head turns to like, I'm thinking about turnkey properties, right? Because what's coming up for me is that like any niche, it's a, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Everything that you're saying about the cluster and there's so much to learn. And there's certain women that are listening right now that are like, I'm on it. I'm totally excited. I'm going to get into the throes of it and be the operator, right? I'm going to be that person that's going to figure it out. And that was like me, like when I started. When? Yeah, I was like that. Where were you just dive in? When right? was that, Liz? When was that? When my husband and I started, it's like you you become the expert in everything. And that's really helpful when you start, but then you get a little more older and your time is limited. And you're like, that sounds like a lot I have to learn, right? So there's women that yeah. might be listening to this saying, like a turnkey provider, like rent to retirement, yeah. these companies out there that are literally selling not just the property fixed up, but they're selling. Now, you may not be making a, as much of that premium. You may not be making as much, but you're making a good return for the time you're putting in. And it's a property. Are there providers yeah. that are offering midterm rentals or maybe just this strategy? They're managing it for you with a bow on it. And you're not going to maybe be making as much as me going out and finding that, that dilapidated property in St. Louis. But it's still a great return. And if I'm going to do the same thing in buying a turnkey, it's higher percentage. It has to be because of the numbers that I've seen. So I have no idea if there's anyone out there doing that, but that would be seem like a good niche. Do you, have you seen that? Yeah. Have you seen companies that are kind of buying it, selling it, and then managing it for investors in this space? So there are a few turnkey providers that do, I, I know of two, like, well, actually, I know three that they're more in the short-term rental space, Okay, but they will do kind of every step of the way. So they'll give you the product already furnished and already renovated and everything, and then they'll do the management. You really don't make enough, in my opinion, you don't. with that. So I don't love that concept, but there are places that you can buy that are furnished already. Like, you know, just that's the way they're selling the property. But I find that most of the time the furniture is not what, really what you want. In there, okay. So it's so not really going to help strategy. you that much. Okay. Like, yeah, totally. It's like builders grade, right? Mm. You're buying a, a a property with like builders grade, but you know, for it might work for some people that don't care. They need to park their money somewhere. But I think yeah. that a lot of the investors we know the potential and and sure. we know different things. So, but you know, whatever works for for them. Jenna, where do you think this midterm? strategy is going to go? What are the changes that you are seeing it? With COVID, we learned a lot in terms of people working from home and the need of not just one, but maybe two working station areas. What are the changes that you see coming more often? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few changes. So there are five states right now that are really underserved with traveling nurses. And they are projected to not be back to pre-COVID levels until 2030. So a lot of people are saying, oh, travel nurses, that's going away. It is not going away. 
it is here for a long time and it's a problem. We just don't have enough nurses. I think a lot of people got burnt out in COVID and they just stopped nursing altogether. Um, the second thing is digital nomads. So before COVID, it was about 7% of the workforce in the U.S. were able to just kind of work from anywhere. After COVID, it's been 40 something percent. So even though some people are being called back to the office, not everybody. So that is kind of like the latest Gen Z thing is that people are like, I don't want to live in one place. I want to live, you know, in Austin for a few months and then go check out Denver and then go over to Hawaii. It's kind of like the young, trendy thing to do. So I think just housing in general is changing and we're kind of accommodating that. More than accommodating, you're taking, which I think is a beautiful thing, right? The common challenges, the common what's happening in society and housing will always be a solution. But so many people are like, is it a good time to buy this type of property? It's the wrong question. It's what problems are you solving? I love that you're going, you you know, you're speaking to that because it's often not looked upon enough. It's about the person and their investment strategies versus solving a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely just low demand or low supply right now. There's a lot of demand and there's just not enough places for people. I love that. Uh, Ziana, we love that you just wrote a book with Sarah Weaver. I want to make sure we give a big shout out called 30 Days Stay, A Real Estate Investor's Guide to Mastering the Medium-Term Rental. So it's gotten such great reviews. So excited that it came published by Bigger Pockets, who publishes our podcast. So if those are listening, have not checked it out, check it out. Definitely. And, And also, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you along on your journey and all your great tips? Yeah. So really excited for people to get the book because our whole point of the book was we wanted someone to pick it up that never had a rental and they could buy one at the end. So it was very important that we did everything very action oriented, that you knew enough and it wasn't just a general strategy idea. So I think that will be helpful for a lot of people. Um, You can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest one at Ziana McIntyre, just my name. Um, but I am on lots of platforms and on Bigger Pockets. If you want to go check out my profile there, awesome! All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions, and the number one is about books. And you just heard a book that you should definitely get it. Diana, any other resources in book books you can recommend about midterm rental? It's funny because there's no books. That's yeah. a great thing. And so we wrote it and there weren't really any books out there. I think since maybe there's like one or two others, but I haven't even checked them out because they're so it's so early days. So I would actually say that I would spend, if you're interested in midterm specifically, I would go to YouTube. And so there was a guy called Jesse Vasquez. Um, so he is like the expert in that space. And so if you're like, I only have two properties, but I want to make buco bucks on those two properties. I would go check him out. So yeah, I think right now it's just learning online. There's really not books out. Ladies, get the book. That Get the 30 days a book from Ziana and Sarah and let us know where you're going to be investing at the end of the book. That's our commitment. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I think it's really about how you start your mornings. And I mean, I think that's, kind of cliche. A lot of people have like the miracle morning and they do all that kind of stuff. For me, I love to kind of set my day and visualize what I'm wanting to happen for myself before I look at my phone. 
I think that's kind of like the phone is a little bit of a black hole. It's really easy to get sucked in. And then you're like, well, I'm just going to answer this one text. And then three hours later, you're like, whoa, what happened? So yeah, I think not having technology in the bedroom and then just really like setting your day with your journal and visualizing is powerful. Wonderful. Last question. Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? I'll have to say that Paula Pant, if you guys don't know her, she's got the blog Afford Anything. She also has a podcast with the same name. She was the one who got me started. I remember I was maybe a year younger than her and just read on her blog like what she was doing. And she had maybe five rental properties and just sounded so easy. I was like, I'm going to go do that. And then I did. And so I think... I'm just really thankful that she had that information out there. She's just awesome. She was, I think, twice, right, Liz, on our mm-hmm. podcast. I'm going to add the shows over here. Ziana, you were also mm-hmm. on our podcast before. We're going to also add your podcast over here. was a less than, I think, 20 episodes. So 1999 when we started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We appreciate you, uh, Ziana, being on our show. Thank you for being part of our community. And thanks for all you're doing. This is, you know, appreciate your nuggets. And uh, ladies, get that book and follow her along in her journey. So thanks again for being on today. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.